Thursday, September 26th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and it is Melvin Gordon Day around the NFL, Jared, which means rejoicing for all who drafted and held on to him. It means mourning for all those who have enjoyed Austin Eckler so far, but it means a regular Thursday for us, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, by the time we got to late August, I was like, you know, oh crap, I have way too much Melvin Gordon. But I think, you know, if you took him in the fourth round and you're getting him back in week five, I think you probably did well. I mean, we'll see how the workload's going to be split. I still think we might see more Austin Eckler than we have previously, but I also think Gordon's going to be at least a running back two as soon as he's back. Yeah, I would expect that we'll keep seeing more Eckler, but watch Eckler hurt his knee this week <laughs> yeah. and totally change things. But as I said, it's a regular Thursday otherwise, so that means a full preview of the weekend, the post-Thursday action. So let's jump right in with Carolina at Houston and sudden star Kyle Allen. The Texans are favored by four points at home. It's a 47.5 over-under. I am open to the idea that Kyle Allen can crack the top 12 this week. Gardner Minshew finished QB 11 a couple weeks ago playing at Houston, but he did run for 56 yards in that game. He did finish 11th in a low-scoring week overall. He was at a number that would have been like mid QB two level last week. So I'm not going to play Kyle Allen this week if I can help it. Yeah. And he was good in his debut last week, but you know, this spot isn't as good. I mean, that Cardinals pass defense, bottom three, we, we knew the pace was going to be up. Texans kind of a middling pass defense. I think football outsider says them 18th in pass defense. DVOA. My, my concern would be pass protection for Kyle Allen in this game against the Texans pass rush. Panthers are already 19th in PFFs pass blocking grades and they might be missing guard Trey Turner in this game so I think that's where the downside would would come with Kyle and I I still think he should really only be an option in two quarterback leagues yeah I agree fine though with DJ Moore Curtis Samuel Greg Olson Houston has been seventh friendliest to QB scoring so far according to our strength of schedule formula and the targets on the season are 26 for DJ Moore 25 for Olson 24 for Samuel so spread pretty evenly even if it seemed up and down game to game Mm -hmm. and Christian McCaffrey a surprising fourth on the team right now at 21. Yeah last week we saw DJ Moore and Greg Olson get seven targets apiece or sorry Curtis Samuel and Greg Olson with seven apiece DJ Moore with only two I'm not ready to say that's like a trend with Kyle Allen yet though I think Samuel and Moore to me both like in the wide receiver three mix I think they're both okay Greg Olson's been awesome I I would say that the last two teams he faced have ranked 21st and 30th in our adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends metric Houston is 13th there so it's a tougher matchup for Olson but with the usage he's getting, you know, for, for most teams, he's going to be your best option at tight end. Yeah, considering what you're looking at, if you're trying to stream tight end, you just stick with Olsen. You know, yes. not thinking about playing somebody in his space. On the Houston side, I mean, you're obviously playing Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, but the Carolina pasty does look better than the past few seasons. Certainly a lot better than last year. Sixth in pass defense DVOA on Football Outsiders so far. That's up from 24th last year. And Carolina hasn't finished higher than 11th in that category since 2015. So it certainly looks like a better pasty. And I think that makes it kind of a meh spot for Will Fuller this week. Yeah, um, I mean, Fuller's always boomer bust. I still think a big game is coming. His usage has been pretty good. First of all, he's still playing basically every snap, even with Stills and QD back. Fuller has an 18% target share. He's 13th among wide receivers in air yards, so he's getting the deep shots. He is going to see Dante Jackson in this game, though, and that's like one corner that actually can run with Will Fuller. So, you know, maybe this isn't the spot. Fuller's a guy, though, I think in season long, you just sort of, you either stick with him as a, like your wide receiver three every week or, or you don't. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he basically sits between 38 and like 28 yeah. every single week. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's either going to finish top 10 or like outside the top 50. You just have to kind of accept that volatility. Right. And it's a volatile position, much more than we would like for it to be. Both tight ends scored Jordan Akins and Darren Fells for Houston last week. Darren Fells edged Jordan Aikens in targets 6-5, also played 64% of the snaps versus Aikens 46%, but for the season now, actually last week Aikens spent one more snap in route, so they were basically even on that. Both played about half of the game on passing downs, but for the season, Aikens is actually well ahead Mm -hmm. of Darren Fells in routes run, 66-45 to for the season, fourth most passing snaps on the team you know, in that routes run category mm-hmm. behind only Deshaun Watson and the wideouts. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, so Aikens, 
before last week only saw five targets across the first two games. Darren Fells only had four targets across the first two games. So it seems like it was a, a game plan thing that the Texans wanted to attack the Chargers, you know, missing their, their safeties with the tight end. So I get that it's weak at tight end, but I, I think we can probably do better than, than these two guys for now. I'd like to see it at least one more week out of them. Yeah, I would too. But if I'm looking at the waiver wire and wondering if I should go for Gerald Everett or maybe Jack Doyle's out there, I'm going to at least consider the Houston yeah. guys because I think that the game situation and the offense they play in boosts the upside, even if we know that they could go anywhere from zero targets to two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, if they weren't both there, it'd be more interesting. Oh, sure. like, I, I, would, I would easily start Doyle over both these guys, and I'd probably even go with Gerald Everett. I guess maybe that'll change if Tyler Higby's back this week. Yeah, we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, running back, Duke Johnson is unusable until further notice. Two mm. carries, three targets last week. Yep, unfortunately it's sad. And uh, I, I think you're higher than me on Carlos Hyde, but I, I do think this is a good spot for Carlos Hyde. Um, like you said, the Panthers have been better against the pass than the run so far. Um, they're actually 27th in football outsiders' run defense rankings. Giving up 4.4 yards per carry. Hyde's still an absolute zero in the passing game. He has one target through three weeks, so there, there's risk here, but I could see him having you know a pretty efficient game on like 12 to 15 carries. Hyde is what LeGarrette Blunt was with the Patriots. He's pro- he's not going to get as many goal line shots mm-hmm. as LeGarrette Blunt got there. He's not going to give you anything as a receiver, although he's playing a decent amount of, of snaps there. But he's in a good offense. He looks like he's going to be the guy who gets the ball when they run it. He carried just 10 times last week, but they spent a lot of that game trailing. Did still mm-hmm. get a short yardage TD. So Carlos Hyde is not going to be a guy that I'm excited about playing at any point this year. But he's somebody that through three weeks, I'm like, all right, I got to go ahead and start taking Carlos Hyde seriously and consider playing him, especially when they're home favorites. I'm, try- I'm trying my best with Hyde. <laughs> uh, anything else in that game? No. Cleveland at Baltimore. The Ravens are seven-point favorites. That's up a point from where it opened, uh, 45-point over-under. And the Browns' offense has been Ugh. terrible so far. It's, it's so sad. Like they're, I mean, I get the O-line. The O-line is an issue. But I don't know. The, the, something's up with the play calling. Uh, we, we need Todd Munkin to take over play calling dues in Cleveland. Freddie Kitchens won't give that up, but he, he needs to. It seems like it. Odell Beckham obviously is still in lineups. Nick Chubb is almost certainly in starting lineups. Yeah. But that's really it. I mean, Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry... The volume's been fine, 7-7 seven, seven, and 9 targets in the three games so far. But Baker Mayfield is the first NFL quarterback who has not been able to complete passes to Jarvis Landry. Yeah, did, did you see that? I, I put it up on Twitter. Um, Jarvis Landry's catch rate from Baker Mayfield is 52%. His catch rate in all other games is 69%. It's just weird. Like I think Landry's a good player, and I think Baker Mayfield's a good player, but something's just up with those guys. Jarvis Landry's weekly PPR finishes this season, 44th. 69th and 52nd so if you can i'd be trying to bench him at this point have you ever had two guy friends where you like both of them but they just (laughs) don't get along with each other they just don't mesh (laughs) it seems like that's what's going on here these dudes just need to not hang out together they can go other places because it's not like jarvis landry came from drew Brees and now he can't catch the ball i mean he played with what ryan Tannehill. Played with Tyrod Taylor at the beginning of last season. I mean, 43.5% catch rate so far this year, 54% last year. Before that, his low for a season was 663 And, like, I, I want to say it's going to turn around, and I think it will to some extent, but we're also up to, like, a 16-game sample, I think it is now with Baker. So it's not like it's a tiny sample size. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. But for now, we, we can't use Jarvis Landry in a lot of places. Yep. Still, you know, in play deeper in PPR, I guess. On the Baltimore side, I think all the usuals are in your lineup. Three quarters of the Cleveland secondary are still looking iffy to play. Demarius Randall seems like he's on track to return from his concussion. But Morgan Burnett and both starting outside corners remained out of practice Wednesday. We'll see about those guys. Yes, I would be doing what I can to get Marquise Brown in season-long lineups and definitely a guy I'm sure we'll be talking about on the DFS show tomorrow. Yeah, Mark Andrews didn't practice Wednesday. Is there any more concern with him this week than last week? I don't think any more concern. I mean, he he didn't practice last Wednesday either, so it seems like they Mm -hmm. have him on this routine. But his usage was about the same last week. He still saw seven targets. His snaps were right in line. His routes were right in line. Again, at tight end, like I think most teams are going to be sticking with him, but there's obviously mm-hmm. more risk until he gets over this foot injury. Yeah, I mean, something to watch during the week, but at this point, I would not plan on playing somebody over Mark Andrews. Yeah. Uh, it's also a good spot for the Baltimore defense. Cleveland mm-hmm. is just the 10th friendliest matchup for scoring defenses so far. That's still friendly, but I also think that that number would be higher 
if the Jets hadn't <laughs> lucked their way into a couple of defensive touchdowns last week against the Patriots, because that makes them look like a better fantasy defense for the season than they really are. Yeah, the the pass protection is a mess, and it's 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 starting to really impact Baker Mayfield, which is sad to see. Yeah. Anything else from there? No. Kansas City at Detroit up next, and the Chiefs are only six and a half point favorites on the road. Fifty-four and a half over under, which is up one from the opening. Patrick Mahomes has thrown for at least 370 yards and three touchdowns in every game this year. He has thrown three plus touchdown passes in 14 of 19 games since the start of last year, including the playoffs. And now he gets the Lions, who might be without top corner Darius Slay. He did put in a limited practice Wednesday with the hamstring injury that knocked him out Sunday. Yeah, you're starting Mahomes. You're starting all of his pass catchers, I think. Demarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman. Just like last week, they're, you know, they're both upside wide receiver threes, and we saw them both hit big plays last week. So, you know, Robinson's still on the field more than Nicole Hardman. So if you're picking between the two, I think he, he's the better bet. If you're picking between them, I mean, it, it's Could nice be, that I mean. they – No, I know, and they both have – the ceiling where, you know, it can work out. But, man, that would be frustrating <laughs> to try to guess which one's going to catch the 70-yard touchdown in a given I week. mean, they, they both could. So. <laughs> On the run game, Damian Williams was still not practicing Wednesday, so we'll see about him. LaShawn McCoy is really the only one that I think is in play. He did tweak the ankle last week, but even right, right after that game, they were downplaying it. It seemed like if it had been a close game, maybe he would have gone back in. And it doesn't yeah. seem like there's any risk of him playing limited role or certainly missing this game. Daryl Williams showed up, but uh, I think he's really only a deeper PPR option because five of his nine carries last week came after McCoy left the game. Yeah, I want to see. You know, I want to see how uh, McCoy looks and what we hear about him on Thursday and Friday. He was limited on Wednesday. He, it sounds like he's going to play, but I don't know if, if we hear that he's you know not 100. percent I would sort of bet on him not being 100 percent by Sunday. I, I do think Daryl Williams is in play because I think you know he can get 10 to 12 touches. Yeah, we went into last week with reports that McCoy was limping and Daryl Williams was looking like the starter in warmups, and then McCoy scored two touchdowns for us. Yeah, I mean Williams had a nice game too, though. Yeah, but most of his rushing work <laughs> came after McCoy left the game. Yeah. Don't overrate last week for Daryl Williams is all I'm saying. But certainly anybody in the Kansas City offense, if you're like, these two guys are close, but one plays with Patrick Mahomes, then, I mean, it can't make too strong an argument against yeah, the, that. Yeah, the Lions, by the way, have allowed the second most receiving yards to running back so far. So, you know, we saw Williams do some work there last week, and I, you know, I think McCoy can obviously do some damage in the passing game too. Miles Sanders certainly boosted that number with two long catches against Detroit last week. Yep. On the Detroit side, the Chiefs are allowing 6.2 yards per carry to running backs so far. The Ravens running backs racked up 157 on 24 carries last week. It's the worst run defense in the league through three weeks, according to Football Outsiders. So even if you don't trust um, yards per carry, which, you know, we shouldn't fully, by other measures, it is a bad run defense as well. It's a good spot for on Johnson as long as the score isn't too out of line too quickly. He got 20 carries last week for minimal yardage, but the Lions coaches seem to think that the O-line's playing solidly and that they're set for some kind of breakthrough. I, I think this is a breakout spot for on Johnson. PFF has the Chiefs as the worst run defense in the league, too. And Karrion Johnson obviously got the increased usage last week. Still only saw just one target. I'll, I'll be curious to see, you know, assuming the Lions fall behind here, how the usage is in that backfield. Johnson did run a route on 53% of Matt Stafford's dropbacks last week, so... You know, not, not an elite number, but also a, a spot where, you know, if he does that again, he, he's a good bet for three to five targets versus the one he saw last week. It's goofy, too, because for one thing, I, I read in, on uh, MLive.com today that that on Johnson has seen eight in the box on 45.8% of his carries, the second highest number in the league behind only Frank Gore so far. So I don't understand. The only target that on Johnson got last week was a check down. So it's not even like they're trying to get him going mm-hmm. in the passing game so far. And if you have defenses stack in the box and you're trying to get on Johnson going, why would you not be running a screen or two <laughs> a game to, to do something, to try to change things up? I don't get it. I don't get it either. I mean, it's not it's not a coaching staff I you know had full faith in even entering the season, and what we've seen so far has been a bit shaky. But again, I think last week's usage was pretty encouraging for Carrion. I would think that even if they're not the brightest coaches, the Daryl Bevel's been around a long time. He'll be like, hey, 
Maybe we should try this new thing called a screen pass this week, and we'll see what happens. And I mean, with the eight guys in the box thing, like the the passing game's been pretty good, and they have these you know two good receivers. They have T.J. Hawkinson, so I, I would think that number would come down as we get deeper into the season. Though. Yeah, so I would hope so. It's a good spot for Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, T.J. Hawkinson as well. Hawkinson actually saw three end zone targets yeah. at Philly last week, so he had a barely anything game. He had one catch for a yard but it very well could have made a much more impactful fantasy day. Yeah, I think Hawkinson's definitely a season-long option this week. You know, on the lower end of the tight end one spectrum, I think he's an interesting DFS play. Chiefs have a lot of league-high 26 tight end receptions. They've also allowed the fourth most receiving yards to tight ends. And likely to jump out to a lead at some point in this game. Galladay's coming off a dud, but he's seen eight-plus targets in each game so far, and in nine of his last ten games dating back to last season. Sitting on a low catch rate, but I think he's a fine play. And Marvin Jones actually... Only three of his 12 games since the start of last season have seen him fall short of six targets. Yeah, Kenny Galladay fifth among wide receivers in air yards, so he's getting those deep shots. Oakland at Indianapolis, where the Colts are seven-point favorites. I feel like that's a little bit high if T.Y. Hilton's not going, but I I don't know. Oakland's certainly not been very good. I think it's a a fine game for the guys that you're typically considering on the Oakland side. Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller are fine. Josh Jacobs is probably starting for most teams, but he could be in trouble if this game goes the way that Vegas says it's going to. He could, um, and you know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't bet the Raiders plus seven, but I don't think this is game. This game is going to get like away from Oakland either. The Colts just kind of aren't that team, and I do think Jacobs is going to be efficient on the ground. The Colts are 30th in Football Outsiders run D, giving up 5.4 yards per carry. I know Darius Leonard was still out on Wednesday with his concussion, so that boost. Jacobs matchup if he, he remains out and John Gruden did say this week he wants to get Jacobs more involved in the passing game which makes way too much sense we'll see if he actually follows through on that yeah I mean the snaps for Jacobs were way down the past two weeks as they were losing uh sub 50 percent both games it was 73 percent in week one when they beat Denver so you know we'll see if that changes there's certain I mean it's three games in so it's yeah. certainly there's certainly time for the coaches to be like yeah we don't really like how that's going. Let's just keep Josh on the field and see if he can help help things in the passing game as well. Yeah, and, and last week he had what? It was like the groin injury, and he was sick and said he lost 10 pounds. I, I'm kind of writing off um, last week's game. I know in week two he also was pulled on passing downs, but we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly too early to say, oh, Josh Jacobs is not going to get the passing down work. we got to go away from him in games where they're big underdogs. On the Colts side, Marlon Max a strong starter. Jacoby Brissett's in his usual spot on the fringe, but I would rather not play any other Colts if I can help it. I think Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle are okay on the starting fringe, especially if T.Y. Hilton sets. Yeah, um, we'll have to see about Hilton's. I think that obviously impacts Brissett too. I think Brissett's a fine lower-end spot starter if Hilton is active. Brissett's actually finishes a top-12 quarterback the past two weeks. He was 11th in Week 2 and 12th this past week. Good matchup, obviously, against Oakland, but... If Hilton's out, I think that obviously hurts Brissett. Can't use any of the Colts wide receivers, I don't think, even if Hilton's out, because it's just been a rotation. And then the tight ends, I do think, become more interesting if Hilton is out. I think Doyle and Ebron, who really have been playing similar roles. Um, Doyle's been playing a bit more snaps. I think Ebron's been running a bit more pass routes, but you know they're seeing similar volume. I think they'd both be you know spot start options if Hilton's out. Yeah, I mean, certainly Brissett's always stronger if T.Y. Hilton's playing, but I think it's like the difference between being 12th and 15th to me. Like, I'd be fine with or, yeah. sticking with him against Oakland even if Hilton's out. I just can't bet on who he's going to be throwing to in that case. Yeah, that's fair. Deion Kane, by the way, led Colts wideouts and target in snaps last week. Mm-hmm. He played two more snaps than T.Y. Hilton, who left <laughs> the game before halftime. Yeah, 67% of the routes for Deion Kane. He, he would be... My bet if I was betting on a Colts wide out with Hilton out, but I think Kane would only be a DFS play. Yeah, and if you were betting on a Colts wide out this week, it might be time for you to call that gambling hotline <laughs> that they are required to put yeah. on the casino billboards. Yeah. Hilton, by the way, didn't practice Wednesday, he's got the quad injury, so we'll see what, what the status of him is. Chargers at Dolphins. The Chargers are 15-point favorites. That's down a point and a half, though, from where it it's opened. Low, so yeah. yeah, there's a little confidence in the Dolphins this week. <laughs> Chargers are tied, though, for the second-highest implied team total on the week. Melvin Gordon, of course, is back, but he's not playing in this game, so get your Austin Eckler now. Certainly among the strong plays. Wide receiver Mike Williams is in play. He's always a volume risk. I hope that you knew that if you drafted him. He did at least jump from 65 and 62% playing time in the first two games to 93% last week. 
Yeah, um, Williams missed practice Wednesday with a back injury, so we'll have to watch that. But I do like him. I, th- I think he's a good touchdown bat in this game if he's healthy, like you said. Basically a full-time player last week. And I, I still think a te- you know using number two and even number three wideouts against the Finns this year with what their secondary is looking like is going to be a, a good move. Mike Williams is a slow Will Fuller. Uh, I guess he's like a, he's like a less good Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, that that's meaner, I think. <laughs> There's always concern from people over Philip Rivers traveling east, and there have cert- if you want to look back, you can certainly find times where he struggled in East Coast games where he probably shouldn't have. But last year, he actually had a better touchdown rate in road games versus home. He had slightly more yards per pass attempt, and Here are the last four trips to the Eastern time zone for him. Was not great at Detroit in week two this year. Fine at Pittsburgh last week 13, 72%, 299 yards, two touchdowns. 207 and two touchdowns at Cleveland on 20 pass attempts last year. And then last September at Buffalo, which ended up being a pretty solid pass D, Rivers was nearly perfect. 23 to 27, 256 yards, three touchdowns. So I think the only real concern here is is that the Chargers jump out early and then they just run the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's the concern. It's been a concern the first three weeks too, though. But quarterbacks against Miami so far have finished second, fifth, and eighth. So, you know, I think Rivers maybe doesn't hit his ceiling if, you know, the Chargers are out to a three-score lead by the second quarter. But I think he's he's a safe bet. Yeah, I mean, I think you consider it in DFS – for picking a tournament yeah. quarterback, I think you if you have two good options you're choosing between, you consider it when you're splitting hairs. But if you're like, maybe I need to find another quarterback to start over Rivers because I'm worried the Chargers are going to score too many points, yeah. that's overthinking it. Yeah, if all five of the Chargers TDs come on the ground, you just you know, <laughs> shake your head and say, that's fantasy football. <laughs> right. That's just bad luck. Yeah. And on the Miami side, I'm going to go with nuh-uh. <laughs> well, one more Charger. I do think Justin Jackson is an option. Like, really? running back three range. Yeah, I mean... So he's, he's gotten about a third of the running back carry so far. Um, we did see him play a season-high 37% of the snaps last week. But it's just, you know, that this Finns team, we, we've seen the games are over by the fourth quarter. In week one, Gus Edwards, 17 carries for 56 yards. Last week, Tony Pollard had a big game, <laughs> you know, most of it coming in the fourth quarter. So I think... Jackson, you know, if you're hurting, need a running back three flex play, I think he's in the mix. And even that scrub Sonny Michelle for the Patriots scored <laughs> yeah. a touchdown a week, too. <laughs> right, right. Washington at the Giants up next. Giants are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm kind of surprised it's not bigger than this now that their savior has arrived. <laughs> but maybe his manger got lost in the travel back. 49 is the over-under. That's up two-and-a-half, so we are expecting points here. The Giants are implied for as many points as the Texans this week and more than the Patriots. Daniel Jones, baby. (laughs) Washington's the fourth friendliest defense to quarterback scoring through three games. I think Daniel Jones is a starter. You know, is he a definite to deliver for us this week? Of course not, because it's his second game. But he's in the lineup over a lot of guys. Yeah, I'm I'm not going all in on Daniel Jones yet, but this matchup, I think, is what makes him an option. Even as as a quarterback one this week, the... Weekly quarterback finishes against Washington, 10th, 3rd, and 14th so far. So it's, it's been a pretty good floor spot, at least. I just wrote down some guys I'm starting Daniel Jones over. I'm starting him over Tom Brady in Buffalo. I'd start him over Carson Wentz tonight. I'd start him over Josh Allen against the Patriots. I would do it over Josh Allen and Carson Wentz. I'd have a hard Not time Brady. starting him over Brady. But I, you know, I could certainly see him outscoring Brady this week. Yep. The Bucks, by the way, who he faced last week, are the fifth friendliest matchup. So we got to keep in mind that Daniel Jones started in a pretty good spot. Sterling Shepard has faced Washington four times in two years and only topped 34 yards once. Three of those games included Odell Beckham. He has 14 catches on 26 targets. You know, we'll see if any of that matters this time. But he at least hasn't had great games against Washington so far. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think why it'd be a tough matchup for him. I, n- nothing. Nothing about the matchup scares me for him this time around. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it too scary, but yeah, yeah maybe not necessarily a blow up spot. Yeah, yeah. The Redskins are, are using Jimmy Moreland in the slot. He's given up 12 catches on 14 targets for 138 yards in a score so far. That's if Quentin Dunbar stays yeah. out on the other side because Dunbar's missed the past two games, but he put in. I believe he returned to a limited practice Wednesday. So if he's back, then it would be Fabian Moreau back in the slot which should make things better, but certainly if that's the alignment, then uh, it helps the matchup for Shepard. Mm-hmm. Wayne Gallman is the guy that everybody's spending all their free agent money on this week. Washington's been a slightly negative running back scoring matchup by our strength of schedule formula so far, 
but it's not a good defense overall. It's certainly not a reason to not play Gallman after you paid for him this week. Football Outsiders has Washington 27th against the pass, 25th against the run. I think Gallman's a low RB2 consideration. Some of the guys I would play him over, Sony Michelle, David Montgomery. I think if it's Gallman versus Hyde, I would play Hyde in non-PPR and Gallman in PPR probably. Yeah, I think I'd even play Gallman and not PPR just because, you know, again, you, you, <laughs> you get those. Just because you hate Carlos. Huh? You know, oh, yeah, it's part of it. But, I mean, you also get those receiving yards, and, you know, it's still. Maybe. The, 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 the receiving production still helps in not PPR. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if you grab Gallman this week, you're probably starting him again. The Giants have that high implied total. I think Gallman's as good a touchdown bat in this game as he will be all season until Saquon's back. And the the Giants didn't add a running back. There's some They're going to prom, uh, promote, I think it's John Hilleman off the practice squad, but. Gallman's basically going to be a three-down back in this game. Yeah, I mean, John Hillman is a made-up name for some guy that went to <laughs> oh, Yale, I think. Yeah. yeah, if you paid for Gallman, then you paid for him for this week because he's not going to hit many better spots going forward. Yep. On the Washington side, Case Keenum missed practice Wednesday with a foot injury, but he was back for Thursday's workout. So if he's truly ready, I think there's plenty of upside for him. The matchup has been even better against the Giants than it's been against Washington so far. And the Giants are well ahead of Washington in terms of how much they're helping fantasy QBs. Nearly tied with number two Arizona in that category. Case Keenum is QB 10 in fantasy overall so far. Fourth most passing yards, tied for the fourth most touchdown passes in the league. Yeah, Keenum's fin- his weekly finishes have been 6th, 16th, and 15th. So you know, he's he's been okay all three games with one big game in week one against Philly. The spot I'd want to use Keenum, though, is in DFS tournaments. I just, b- between the foot injury... And just the chance he's benched. I mean, he he was not good against the Bears. I know it was a tough spot. He was under pressure all night, but he wasn't good in that game. So just the chance that he gets benched in this game would make me shy away from him in season-long leagues. I mean, I would factor it in if I'm deciding between him and somebody close to him. But I don't think that Jay Gruden wants to play Dwayne Haskins yet. And I, Paul McCoy's I, I, back. I have a hard time. Well, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been out for a long time, though. I don't know. I have a hard time thinking that... If Washington's down by 20 in the third quarter on Sunday, that Jay Gruden's going to go to somebody else. And yeah. I mean, maybe at that point he'll be like, all right, it's time to give the kid a try next week. But yeah, I mean, you don't want to toss Dwayne Haskins into a spot where the other team can just come after him. Yeah, that's fair. I just think there's some risk. Like Case Keenum will probably outscore Jacoby Brissett this week. But if I'm you know, between those two for season long lineups, I'd probably just go with Brissett. Mm, I'm playing Case Keenum over Brissett this week because I think Yola. even though there's some risk, I, he could also throw for 350 and three touchdowns this week. Like yeah, that's a le- that's a legitimate potential outcome. I Ta- think. Toss him in a DFS tournament. Oh, I, I might. <laughs> we'll see. I have to get there and look at the things first. Terry McLaurin has caught at least five passes and scored a touchdown in every game so far this year. He's in your lineup. Yeah, he's getting awesome usage. And DeAndre Baker and Janoris Jenkins are just getting smoked yeah. uh, for the Giants. So, yeah, it, it's a great spot for Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Surgeon General is going to start putting warnings <laughs> on the side of um, Janoris sure, Jenkins. Yeah. Trey Quinn is a deep PPR option weekly at this point. Six, seven, and seven targets so far. Four, four, and five catches. No more than 36 yeah. receiving yards in any game, though. So he's like a taller Cole Beasley. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Cole Beasley. I, I think <laughs> I think Paul Richardson is a more interesting guy in Washington's wide receiver core. His targets have gone seven in week one and three in week two, but back up to eight last week. He scored in two straight games. He's a pretty good player, and again, it's a great matchup. Yep. Uh, Giants, see, that's why you need to play Case Keenum, because you like all of his receivers. I might play him in a DFS tournament. (laughs) The Giants are bad versus the pass and the run so far, so maybe this game stays close and Adrian Peterson gets some touches. I can't say that I like anything in the Washington backfield, but if you're reaching to the point where you spent a whole bunch of money on Wayne Gallman this week (laughs) and lost out because somebody spent more, then, you know, Adrian Peterson could do something. I I mean, if... Peterson's on your roster and you're not using him this week, then you should just cut him because this is the <laughs> best spot he, he's going to be in. I, I would I would definitely rather play Chris Thompson in PPR, and I'd probably even lean towards Thompson in non-PPR. Mm, I don't know what I would in non-PPR. <laughs> Thompson's tied for the lead among running backs with 23 targets. He's he, he's getting used. We saw him, I think he got like seven carries last week too. Maybe they're going to increase his rushing vote. Roll a bit because it, you know, it doesn't look like Peterson has much left. At least ten of those targets came in week one, though, too. Yeah, his targets have gone ten, eight, five. 
So I guess he's trending down. But. Yeah, see? <laughs> Get off while you can. All right, anybody else in that game? No. All right, Tennessee at Atlanta. Falcons are four-point home favorites, down a point from the open. Delaney Walker's dealing with a knee injury that kept him out of practice Wednesday, and that's especially significant because he is the only Titans <laughs> pass catcher that I'm even slightly interested in. Yeah, my guess is it's just like a day off for Walker because he, he played his usual role last week. He's obviously an older guy, so we'll keep an eye on that, though. Yeah, Titans wide receivers off the board. None of the Titans wide receivers rank inside the top 60 in targets. <laughs> yeah, neither Corey Davis nor A.J. Brown has seen more than five targets they're, in a game they're yet. They're both so good, too. It's, it's, <laughs> it's disappointing. Yeah, Marcus Mariota has been terrible, yeah. so it, it brings everybody else down. You know, Derrick Henry's an obvious play. I don't really need to talk about him at this point. Yeah, I mean, not the spot you love him in. It's like a road underdog, but... He's also seen 15 and 17 carries in the Titans' two losses. So, like, they're committed to getting him the ball. So, I, I don't think the floor is too low. Mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley on the other side was limited Wednesday with a hip injury. So, I'll have to track him. Tennessee's been a solid defense so far. But if Calvin Ridley's healthy, then you're playing him. Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously saw the floor last week. Like, he can get lost in the shuffle because there's so many weapons mm-hmm. in Atlanta. But, you know, we also saw the upside in, in Week 2 against Philly. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing that can happen to a lot of receivers pretty much any week. Yep. Ito Smith dealing with a concussion was out Wednesday. You know, it seems like he would probably miss a game. That seems to generally be the way at this point. I think Devontae Freeman is almost certainly a starter for anybody who has him. If Smith is out, that would help, obviously, the touch count. And the game should be good for a game script on Freeman's front. Yep. If Smith's out, I think Atlanta will probably have Brian Hill active. So Freeman probably doesn't see quite, you know, he played 90% of the snaps last week. I think he wouldn't play quite that much if Smith's out. But I think I think Freeman's like a borderline RB1 if, if Smith's out. And if if Smith's back, then, you know, maybe downgrade Freeman to a, an RB2. So you're saying we're going to get 89 rushing yards from uh, Devontae Freeman and a touchdown from Brian Hill. Oh, God, yeah, I could see that. It's happening. Anything else in that game? Our boy Austin Hooper, off to a big start. I think he, Austin Hooper's keep, a must. Yeah, yeah, you keep, keep firing him up. That guy's a stud. All right, now anything else? No. Okay, New England at Buffalo, where the Patriots are seven and a half point road favorites just to get everybody in Buffalo steam. <laughs> the over-under is just 42 and a half. It's down one point. I think probably a lot of that has to do with the Patriots not having allowed an offensive touchdown so far. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a pretty good defense. Um, the Bills' implied total is the second lowest on the week, so I'm trying to avoid all, all Bills, actually. There's not mm. any of them that I'd be excited to start. Yes, I agree. I mean, John Brown missed practice Wednesday, but it was just for rest, so we don't have to worry about anything there. But it's a bad matchup because all yeah. of the corners have been good. Yeah, they've all been good. I don't know if I have it here, but I think they're all like top 10 in PFF grades, and Brown's probably going to get the Stephon Gilmore shadow. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots have certainly faced a soft schedule so far. Even, I mean, even Pittsburgh doesn't look like it was a yeah, tough right. matchup at this point, but... They also look legitimately good, like they're going to continue being a tough defense, even if they eventually allow a touchdown to somebody. Yep. On the New England side, Julian Edelman appears on track to play. I think that would be the only thing that would keep him from being in lineups. And he, Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett, all worth considering for starting spots. Yeah, Gordon worries me just because I think he's going to get Tredavious White in coverage. And White, I, I think, is a top five corner. Gordon's good enough to beat him, but I do think it's a tough spot for him. I think it's a big Edelman game in the slot as long as he's healthy. Edelman had nine catches and 104 yards and then six catches for 70 yards in a TD against the Bills last season. I agree with that. And Edelman was off to a big game last week before he left that one early. Yep. So we'll see. The backfield looks prepared to frustrate you no matter who you start here. Sony Michelle played only 17 snaps last week in a game that really should have been his playground. I mean, he carried nine times for 11 yards, did get a touchdown, so he didn't make you suffer too much if you played him. But I think it was a worrisome game for him, especially considering that Rex Burke had dominated playing time. Yeah, he just he just hasn't been good this year. Mm-hmm. 2.4 yards per carry. He's dead last in the PFF's elusive rating among 42 running backs with 20-plus <laughs> carries. I'm curious to see, too, what James Devlin going to IR means for this offense. Like the major, it seems I don't have the number, but the majority of Michelle's runs come from you know an I formation or some formation with Devlin in the game. So I'm just curious to see if you know that means even more spreadish formations with Rex Burkhead and James White in the game. Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine the Patriots playing Sony Michelle more than Rex Burkhead, or even giving Sony Michelle the ball more right now than Rex Burkhead. You mentioned 2.4 yards per carry for Michelle. Burke had 4.7, and they both have a long run of 12 yards so far. So it's not that Burkhead's number is being boosted by one particular run. If you look at DVOA on Football Outsiders, if Burkhead's fifth, 
in rushing DVOA so far. Michelle, 33rd. If you look at DR, which is their other efficiency metric, Burkhead, 15th. Michelle, 34th. So Burkhead's just been way better than Michelle to this point, and he's more versatile. I mean, you can put Burkhead in the game, and the defense doesn't know what you're doing with him. If Michelle's in the game, it's like, oh, they're going to hand the ball to Michelle because the guy doesn't do anything else. (laughs) It's interesting this week, too, because the Bills are much better against the pass than the run. Football Outsiders has them fourth in pass defense, 21st against the run. PFF has the Bills 10th in pass rush, 7th in pass coverage, but 20th against the run. So it might be a run-heavy game plan from New England, but yeah, like you said, maybe the carries go to Burkhead and not Michelle. James White is back, I assume, unless he's you know <laughs> busy helping with middle-of-the-night feedings. Ten catches at Buffalo last year, two in the second one. He's had no more than six targets in any other career game against the Bills. A weak volume bet, but there's always upside as we have yeah. seen so far this year. He had, what, five for 56, I think, in week one, which was a blowout win. He scored a touchdown in week two, which is another blowout win. So, I mean, it's, James White's not a strong option, but his situation just makes him an option. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. The two game, the two Bills-Pats games last year, the first one, the Pats went pass-heavy. They were 64% pass. That's when White had his big game. The second one, the Pats went 35% pass, so I have no idea what New England's <laughs> going to do in this game. I have no idea what to do with the backfield. I think they're all risk-reward plays. I would rank them in PPR, Burkhead, White, Michelle. Yeah, probably. That's all I got for that game. Yep. On the Seattle at Arizona at 4.05 Eastern time on Sunday, Seahawks are five-point favorites on the road after losing at home. That's up a point from where it opened. The over-under is up a point as well to 48. Seattle's implied total 26.5 is fourth highest of the week. Cardinals at 21.5. I think that might end up being a little low, but we'll see about the Seattle defense here. Mm-hmm. It's a great spot for Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and Will Disley. Yeah. And I think in deeper leagues, DK Metcalf is a solid option. His playing time's been strong. His target volume has been decent. His depth of target helps with you know lower target volume versus Tyler Lockett. 24.1 yards per catch, 11.4 yards per target so far. Yep. We saw David Moore come back last week, but it didn't really impact DK Metcalf. He still ran around on 89% of the dropbacks. Saw six targets. So, yeah, I, I think he's definitely in play as a risk-reward wide receiver three. Yeah, and he's big on deep targets, and he got at least one in the end zone against uh, New Orleans. can't remember if there was a second. Rashad Penny, we have to wonder if he's still out. Didn't practice Wednesday as a hamstring injury that cost him that game against New Orleans. So, I mean, he shouldn't be in fantasy plans right now if he's out. CJ Proceis played a lot last week, but I think he played a lot because Seattle spent half of that game trailing desperately. And there was a lot right. of CJ Proceis in the second half. Yeah, I, I think the game script was just as costly for Carson last week as his fumble. And Pete Carroll has now said multiple times this week that he's sticking by Chris Carson. So Carson will be riskier if Penny is able to play in this game. But either way, I, I would stick with him. You know, I, I, li- I like yeah. the spot. Arizona's run D, not scary. The pace is going to be up, as we've talked about. So I think I think Carson's upside is pretty big. Pete Carroll is like your grandpa. And not even like the disciplinarian one who used to be a drill sergeant. He's going to teach you life lessons. He's the one who like always has candy yeah. for you. Wor- and, Worthers. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to stick with his grandson here. I'm playing Chris Carson. It's not comfortable. Yeah. And when he fumbles again in the second quarter, it's going to worry us all. I would probably not watch this game if I'm playing Chris Carson. But... I mean, he's still the lead back, and C.J. Proceis is not going to challenge his role. Rashad Penny, if he comes back from a hamstring injury, is not going to challenge his role, so uh, you got to go ahead and keep using him. Yep. Kyler Murray on the other side. The Seattle defense is 17th in pass defense DVOA. I was actually surprised that it wasn't lower than that. Yeah, I mean, they've faced a ton of pass attempts, which I think has sort of bumped up the fantasy production a lot, but they also haven't been great either. Um, They've allowed a 66% completion rate. 7.0 7.0 yards per attempt, and that's facing Andy Dalton, Mason Rudolph, and Teddy Bridgewater. So I, I think it's a pretty good spot for Kyler. Kyler's been like a floor play so far. His weekly finishes have been 14th, 18th, and 16th. So we haven't seen that you know big breakout week, but he, but he's been okay so far. Yeah, uh, it's been a, the the matchup here has been slightly positive so far. I think the key is that the Seattle pass rush is weak. Six sacks so far through three games. Five of those came against the Bengals in Week One. Kyler Murray's been sacked a lot. But his pressure rate has actually not been that bad overall. The Panthers got to him a lot last week, but I think it's been just as much a matter of him holding onto the ball too long and struggling to make decisions a little bit as opposed to him just getting rushed right yeah. away. So I think this week will be better on that front. I think this week will help his depth of target, which 
Last week was really short, and they throw a lot of short stuff anyway. But last week was shorter than the previous two weeks were. Yeah, yeah. So I like the matchup here with Seattle's pass rush struggling. Um, the other note I have on Kyler, he's sitting on a 2.9% passing touchdown rate. So that that's going to come up. He's in for some positive regression in the touchdown department. Yeah, that's some Joe Flacco stuff there. <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, certainly strong options this week. Demir Bird did not practice Wednesday because yeah. of a hamstring issue. So... I think if he's if he gets all the way back, like puts in a full practice, he's a, a fine consideration. If he's limited and questionable into the weekend, I'm probably not using Demir Bird this week. Yeah, I wouldn't want to use him. He's not 100%. If, if he's out, I think it would be Keyshawn Johnson as the third receiver, but unless we know for sure, I think you probably just got to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I don't think I would play Keyshawn Johnson at this point. He's the one who could, you know, he could see eight targets yeah. and catch six balls if Demir Bird's out, but... I would probably, I would hope that I have a better way to go in that. Not sure what I would do with Keyshawn Johnson versus like Paul Richardson if mm-hmm. Demir Bird's out, but that's like the range where I would consider yeah. him. Yeah, I'd probably go Richardson there just because we know what his role is. And he plays with Case Keenum. Sure. Um, David Johnson, an asset for now in PPR at least. He scored a touchdown in every game. The target volume was back up last week. I still believe that he's somebody to try to sell if you can get a good return on him. 3.7 yards per carry so far, career yeah. lows in yards per catch, 6.4, and yards per target, 4.9. If you can get RB1 value in return for DJ, maybe he's a sell. You know, there's, there's just so few backs we can count on getting 15 to 20 opportunities per mm-hmm. game. And Johnson's passing game usage, you know, even with the low yards per catch. And he is being used around the line of scrimmage, so I don't know if that's going to climb too much. But seven targets in week one, nine targets in week two. Like the matchup too against Seattle, who just gave up the big receiving game to Alvin Kamara last week. Yeah, I'm not selling David Johnson for whatever I can get, but if you're in the enviable spot of being loaded at running back and you need some help at receiver and you're trying to decide who yeah. the one to sell is, David Johnson, I think, is the guy because I, I think you would get a good return on him because of the touchdowns, because of the touches. Yeah. I'm um, just trying to think like what, like what would a trade be like I DJ for like Odell Beckham? Yeah, well, I, I would try not to make it a, a one versus one because yeah. that's just risky, but. It, I think he's a tradable asset. And sure. feel free to email us with potential deals that you're considering. Tampa Bay at the Rams, also at 405 Eastern. The Rams are nine-point favorites at home. That's actually down a point and a half from where it opened. 49.5 point over-under, also down a point. Chris Godwin was down Wednesday with a hip injury. We're going to have to watch him because, for me, it's only him and Mike Evans here. Yeah, the Rams' pasty is very good. Uh, Football Outsiders has them fifth in pasty. Um, their top three corners have allowed a combined 14 catches on 30 targets so far. So yeah, I think Godwin, if healthy and Evans are starters, I would not want to play Jameis Winston this week. I agree. I would also hope to not be playing OJ Howard, but he's probably playing if you have him on the season, Brashad Perriman has run 15 more pass routes than OJ Howard has. Yeah. Howard had a semi bounce back last week, but his usage really didn't change. I mean, he only saw four targets. That was an 11% target share and his route rate was 64%. That was you know pretty much right in line with the first two weeks. So he wasn't going to, you know, be the, the goose egg he was in, in week two, but I think, you know, what we got in week three is about what, sh- what we should be expecting from him the rest of the way here. I agree. And the hot hand backfield approach, I don't want any part of it, especially in a game where they're going to be trailing. Exactly. On the other side, uh, Tyler Higby, is he going to be back? He was limited Wednesday with that chest injury that kept him out last week. He missed practice all last week, so I think the fact that he was limited Wednesday is a pretty good sign that he'll be ready for the game. We'll see. If he is back, I'm not interested in Gerald Everett this week. Yeah, um, the matchup is good. The Bucks allowed 54 yards to George Kittle in week one, but then 110 yards to Greg Olson. 113 yards in a score to Evan Ingram. So if you're desperate, um, you know, Everett is an option, but, you know, we know we know the floor is basically a goose egg. Right. I mean, if you're going to the wire looking for a tight end, you know, you can steal a touchdown with Everett, but you can also steal <laughs> one target for the game. Yep. All the wide receivers for the Rams, Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, all look good. Goff was solid at Cleveland. We're still kind of waiting to see if his home road splits from last season, you know, continue through this year. Yeah, good spot for Goff back at home. I think the Bucks past he was sort of exposed last week by Daniel Jones after, you know, holding the first two opponents in check. So yeah, I like Jared Goff here. Robert Woods, I would not worry about him. Um, his usage is about where it was last season. His efficiency has just been down. I think that's bound to come back up. Jacksonville at Denver in the game that nobody wants to watch this week at 425. Broncos are three and a half point home favorites. The over-under is under 40 points. 
maybe no Jalen Ramsey for this game because now it's a baby that <laughs> is arriving. We He, of course, told the team way back that it was going to happen. Uh, we just heard via media release today. So I don't think that he would likely travel into the slot with Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has not spent very many snaps in the slot so far this year. Maybe he would, but I think he'd probably stay outside. So, you know, if Jalen Ramsey's out, it helps the matchup for Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton. But, I mean, I don't think a whole lot changes here. Yeah, it helps. It just doesn't feel like there's much upside with anyone in this game. Right. It's just going to be a slow, low-scoring game. Um, Sa- Sanders, I am watching. He played a season low, 79% of the snaps last week, and then he's on the injury report this week with a quad. He was limited on Wednesday, so keeping an eye on that. Cortland Sutton, I think Cortland Sutton is sort of going overlooked how productive he's been so far this season. Hasn't scored yet, but he is 34th among wide receivers in PPR points. Um, his targets have gone 8, 7, 8, so he's been a, you know, a pretty consistent source of volume. And a downfield guy who wins on air yards, so yep. yeah, there's there's production potential to him. What about the Denver running backs? Since we're on Denver, oh yeah, so so th- this is this is crazy to me. So Philip Lindsay ranks sixth among all running backs in total opportunities, which is carries plus targets, and Royce Freeman is nineteenth. <laughs> I, I don't think both these guys are going to finish as high as they are right now. I think that for me, the takeaway is that you know it's still pretty close to a fifty-fifty split as far as like snaps and and routes and all. All that stuff. So I, I think both of those guys are probably in for some regression because there's just there's not going to be this much volume for that backfield the rest of the way. I mean, for what it's worth, though, they're 0-3 right now. So that's it's what, not it's, like they've had positive know. game flow on their kids. I'm, on their I'm trying to figure out how it's even possible that they're both you know <laughs> seeing that many opportunities. It's because Joe Flacco's the quarterback, <laughs> and for whatever they want to say, it's it's a bad passing offense. You want to get it to the oh, running yeah. backs as much as possible. Yep. On the Jacksonville side... D.D. Westbrook was limited Wednesday for personal reasons. I don't know if I've ever seen limited for personal. I've seen he's out a, for yeah, personal. He's, he's trying it over those those bad drops last Thursday night. <laughs> I think everybody in Jacksonville is <laughs> dealing with some personal stuff right now. Uh, still leading the team in pass routes. Still leading the team in targets. Tied with Leonard Fournette in that category. Matchup is not great individually for any Jags receiver, but... Overall, Football Outsiders has the Denver defense 26th against the pass so far. Yeah, I mean, the Isaac Yodum guy is the guy you want to attack on Denver. I, I, I'm just not sure if we're going to have Chris Harris like shadow DJ Chark. I don't know if Chark's earned that yet. So that, that's kind of where I don't know what to make of this wide receiver core this week. Yeah, I would hope to not have to decide among them. But I think if you are, I, I think D.D. Westbrook and DJ Chark yeah. are you know, considerable. Yeah, I mean, I think Chark has, has to be the top guy. Just he, He's he's top eight right now in fantasy points among wide receivers. Mm-hmm. He's been really good so far. Yeah, um, probably most interested on Jacksonville side and Leonard Fournette, yeah. who is likely a starter pretty much every week on just on volume at this point. Hasn't scored yet, and that's going to change at some point. Yeah, do, do not watch the Jags games if you're starting Fournette because it's ugly. But, just don't watch the Jags games. Yeah, he, he played 100% of the snaps last week, saw 15 carries, eight targets. So you, you, you can't bench that type of volume, but... I'm not sure the efficiency is going to get much better than it's been so far. Uh, Minnesota at Chicago, another 425 game. Bears are two and a half point favorites at home. Two of the week's nine lowest implied team totals. So on the Minnesota side, we'll start with Adam Thielen, who has seen 25% of the team targets so far. Has not scored a touchdown against the Bears since 2014, despite 23 receptions across the last four games against them. The volume is not there for him this year. And I don't believe that the Bears can score enough in this game yeah. to push the Vikings into throwing the ball more. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, you know, Thielen has still produced pretty well despite the low volume. I think you know the, the efficiency is going to come down, so it's something to be worried about. I'm curious to see with the wide receiver core is Chad Beebe is out now, and you know he'd been playing the slot, so I wonder now if Thielen's going to go back into the slot. That that would matter this week because that would mean Buster Screen for mm-hmm. Adam Thielen, who is you know easily Chicago's worst corner. I have that note as well. Chad Beebe out. Buster Screen is the easy weak spot in that secondary. And last year, Adam Thielen obviously spent a lot of time in the slot overall. But even in the final two games, he played a little bit more than half. Actually, I think a good bit more than half of his snaps in the slot. And that matters because those were two of the three games after Kevin Stefanski took over as the offensive coordinator. They just re-signed Laquan Treadwell. He might be their third receiver again already, even though he was on the street uh, heading into this week. And if that's the case, then Adam Thielen could be in the slot more and gets that good matchup. Maybe they do target him more often there. So I think the ultimate takeaway here is if Adam Thielen is on your roster, I would probably play him this week unless yeah. you just loaded it wide up. Yep, I was going to say the same thing. I think he, he's okay. He probably belongs in most lineups. Thielen, by the way, this year has only been in the slot for 29% of his snaps. Mm-hmm. 
Stefan Diggs playing time has been odd so far. 59% in week one, which didn't seem strange because he was coming off an injury up to 89% in week two, but then 70% last week, just 19% target share so far. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to do with Diggs at this point. I mean, I still think the guy's good. I still think Minnesota's gonna pass more than they have so far. I mean, it'd be tough not to, I don't know. Diggs is kind of there with the only me. Like if I have him, I'm, I'm probably using him, but not happy about it. I feel weaker about Diggs than Thielen. Diggs yeah. is is, is kind of like a shorter Cortland Sutton in terms of what you're playing, <laughs> like you're deciding oh, Sutton, on him at this point. I mean, Sutton has almost as many targets in each game than Diggs has yeah. total. I and mean, that's why. I think Diggs <laughs> is a way better player and he has a way higher ceiling, but Sutton's been easily beating him on volume. So I yes, have to look sad. past the name. And it's, and it's it's sad in Minnesota unless you own Dalvin Cook. It really is. Kyle Rudolph, by the way, less than 20 receiving yards in three straight meetings with the Bears. So he's not an option this week either. He's, and then, like, I, I don't want to completely write him off because he's still playing all the snaps basically <laughs> and running routes on like 70% of the dropbacks. But he's just he's not he's not getting anything done. Right. On the Chicago side, Allen Robinson's still fine. He's going to be frustrating. That Get used to that. That's going to be all year because he's playing with a garbage quarterback in yep. an overrated offense. But seven targets Monday night, caught six for 60 yards. I mean, that's fine. And Taylor Gabriel, coming off the game of his life, has a concussion. Yeah. So he's not likely to play this week. We'll watch to see if he returns. But that would probably help Allen Robinson's target outlook. Yeah, I think Robinson's the only guy to use in this passing game. Um, I'm keeping an eye on Anthony Miller. I didn't write it down, but his usage did come up in week three after dealing with the, you know, the injuries all offseason. So he's still a guy I'm keeping an eye on, maybe someone we're picking up in a few weeks here. Yeah, he's reached 50% playing time. I didn't check to see exactly how many routes, but 50% playing time each of the past two games after just 21% in the opener. So I agree. I'm not interested in Anthony Miller right now, but I'm keeping an eye on him for after their week six bye. I think the schedule gets better. The offense needs help. It needs somebody to break out. And it's... I think it makes sense for him to get off to a slow start because yeah. he was coming off the shoulder surgery and then had an ankle sprain in the summer. So, I mean, yeah. coming off those two things, it's logical. And, you know, Taylor Gabriel looked like Tyree Kill last Monday <laughs> night, but I still think Anthony Miller's the second best wide receiver on that team. Mm -hmm. Trey Burton was up from 43% in his first game back from injury to 61% playing time. Still not an intriguing option this yeah. week, but he's at least playing more. He's off the injury report now, too, nice. which, you know, so, yeah, he's, he's a guy, even in deeper leagues, you know, maybe you grab him if you're hurting at tight end, because I still think he could be useful. Mm -hmm. David Montgomery, apparently, Chicago doesn't really want him to be useful. He really, he should have been in a nice spot against Washington on Monday night. He had three first half carries in a game that they led 14-0 midway through the second quarter. Cordero yeah. Patterson, whose name I always <laughs> have to say twice to get it right out loud, had Say exactly the same number. Yeah, <laughs> exactly the same number yeah. of first half carries. Matt Matt Nagy just every week is just a different game plan. So it's almost like the Patriots backfield. We're just sort of guessing at the usage. I mean, at least Mike Davis has sort of gone away, even though he's kind of been replaced by CPAD, I guess. Again, Montgomery an option at some point because he is a lead ball carrier, but again, we don't know for sure what the volume's gonna look like. It's not a good spot. Minnesota's a good run D. This is gonna be a low scoring game, so I would not want to use David Montgomery, but I know some, you know some teams. He's he's in the mix as a, as a running back three. Yeah, the Patriots have earned the right to just trust their game <laughs> plans. Well, even if they surprise us, Chicago has not earned yeah. that yet. Uh, Tariq Cohen, Minnesota's offense again, not good enough. I don't think to force him into the game plan. He has five catches across the Bears' two wins over the Vikings last year. Nine total targets the past two weeks this season uh, in games that Chicago won. Yeah. Ten targets in week one when they lost by double digits to the Packers. Yeah, he's going to pop for a couple more big games when, like, Nagy thinks that, you know, he's he's a good mismatch option in the matchup. But I, outside of deeper PPR leagues, I think you can probably just drop Cohen because I can't imagine when you're ever going to know when to use him. Yeah, I think wait until they're, like, road underdogs uh, heading in where it looks like a bad spot for him. Yep. Dallas at New Orleans on Sunday night. Cowboys are two-and-a-half-point road favorites, which is down a point from where it opened. And on the New Orleans side, Marshawn Lattimore, a cornerback, is getting killed in coverage so far. 74% completions, 17.1 yards per catch. So Amari Cooper can have an MRI every day this week, <laughs> and as long as he's playing, he's a starter. Yeah, Lattimore's allowed the most yardage in coverage in the entire league, 341 yards. Cooper just smoked Xavier Howard, who I, you know, is, is a better corner, I think, than Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, and Cooper did have the MRI this week. He said it was just precautionary. I, you know, I, at this point, it seems like how he has fun. Yeah, it's always something with him, but, you know, he's he's producing, so we can't complain. Mm -hmm. 
Randall Cobb, a positive matchup in the slot against P.J. Williams. Five, six, and four targets so far. I think it should be a closer game than last week, so maybe there's a better volume outlook. I'm not excited about Randall Cobb, but there's definitely upside to him if you're looking for a receiver down in the 40s. Yeah, Cobb's role didn't change at all last week as far as like playing time with Michael Gallup out. It was really just Devin Smith just stepping right into the Michael Gallup role. Smith actually played more snaps and ran more routes than Randall Cobb, so... Smith's almost a guy. Smith's, I'd be more excited to start him. I think he has the higher <laughs> ceiling. You know, Cobb maybe a better catch bat just, just working the short routes. PPR, would you play Devin Smith over Randall Cobb? Probably not. I mean, if you're talking like DFS, if you're playing the showdown slate for this game, I, I would play Devin Smith over Cobb. Yeah, I can see that. Zeke every week, of course. Tony Pollard, don't get up. Don't get yeah. caught up in last week's touch count. Uh, almost half of his rushing work came after uh, Zeke Elliott left the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, roster him as, as a handcuff, but he's, he's not a starting option unless Zeke gets hurt. And Jason Witten's a low-volume guy. <laughs> his, you know, he's in play, but he's not going to... There's not going to be a week where it's like, ooh, it's Jason yeah. Witten week. He has four targets in all three games so far. He scored in the first two games. So, you know, like a lot of tight ends, he's, he's pretty much touchdown or bust. On the New Orleans offense side, Traquan Smith was not practicing Wednesday. You know, that probably helped Ted Ginn a bit, but I'm still not interested yeah. in him. Yeah, I mean, I think the Saints offense is easy. You start Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and that's it. Yeah, and even Michael Thomas I would try to sell this week because it's going to be a short-range offense until yeah. uh, Drew Brees comes back. Again, like with David Johnson, mm-hmm. I'm not saying deal Michael Thomas for whatever you can get, but if you're looking for running back and somebody else is, you know, stronger at there and looking to move receivers. Um, I don't know yeah. if I said that right. Michael Thomas <laughs> is, is a guy that you can try yeah. to sell. Yeah. I mean, he did see a 26% target share last week. So yep. the volume's still going to be there. But yeah, like you said, it's going to be seven catches for 75 yards. And even his touchdown was this goofy yeah. kind of quick wide receiver screen at the one yard line. Yep. Uh, Jared Cook is, you know, trying to disappear. His playing time is good, though. His route percentage is good among pass attempts. Yeah. Dallas is a middling defense against tight ends. So, again, if you're to the point where you're like, maybe I'll play Gerald Everett, maybe I'll play a Houston tight end, I'd probably give Jared Cook one more time this week. Yeah, if we're talking that level, I'd stick with Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. Anything else before we move on? Nope. Final game of the weekend, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh on Monday night. I can't wait to barely watch this one. <laughs> Steelers are three-and-a-half-point home favorites. It's a 43-and-a-half over-under to light your fire. Andy Dalton's past two trips to Pittsburgh, uh, I'm sorry, one of his past three trips to Pittsburgh has been decent. So you try not to use Andy Dalton here. I hope for your sake that you don't. I would probably, though, play Andy Dalton here over Jameis Winston at the Rams. I would, too. I think I'd play him over, like, Brissett, Keenum. No. No? So, yeah, I mean, I I get that Dalton has struggled in Pittsburgh. Um, That's Andy Dalton in primetime, which hasn't. Oh, he's gone well. But I don't know. So Dalton, he's sitting quarterback nine through three weeks. He's finished eighth, tenth, and then 18th among quarterbacks. And 18th was last week in Buffalo. We knew that was a tough spot. Mm-hmm. He's second in the NFL in pass attempts. Per our buddy Mike Clay, the Bengals have the fourth highest game script adjusted pass rate. So, you know, it basically tells us they want to be a pass first offense, which obviously helps Andy Dalton. And the Steelers haven't been a good pass mm-hmm. defense. You know, we'll see about Minka Fitzpatrick. He had a nice debut for them. It might make them a tougher matchup, but but so far it's been a pretty favorable spot for quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that Andy Dalton and Case Keenum are basically <laughs> the same player this week. I just I think Pittsburgh has some parts of its defense that are way better than any yeah. parts of the Giants defense. I'd even give you that Keenum has the higher ceiling again. I, yeah. I just think he, he has a lower floor. Yeah, I think they both, I don't know, I think they both lose on floor here. John Ross is still a fine option. He actually played a season high snap share last week at Buffalo. You know, we weren't expecting big things. The matchup wasn't great there. So I think he's fine to use this week. And Joe Mixon stomped the Steelers last year. 84 total yards and a touchdown on 15 touches in their first meeting. 13 carries for 105 in the second. Seven yards per carry overall in the two meetings. So it's not it's not been a great matchup for running back so far, but I wouldn't worry about using Joe Mixon this week. No, yeah, you're starting him. And it was obviously a pretty nice bounce back for him last week. My concern is the passing game usage for Mixon. Um, just two targets last week. He only ran her out on 35% of Andy Dalton's dropbacks, um, Gio Bernard was at 40%. So it seems like they're pretty much splitting the passing game work, which obviously hurts. Yeah, I agree with that. On the Steelers' side, Juju Smith-Schuster's obviously in. James Conner is likely in. Cincinnati is 28th yeah. in rush defense DVOA. That's it for me. Yeah, I, I think kind of like how De, you know, Devontae Freeman, like we were like, you know, he has to do it last week or else we were sort of giving up. Um, I, I sort of think Conner is in that spot this week. Like if he doesn't get it done, at home against the Bengals, it's definitely going to be time to worry. 
Yeah, this is probably at least the best spot for them. I mean, it's it's probably a better matchup even than Seattle was in week two. And of course, the yeah. Seattle matchup got tougher because they switched quarterbacks in the middle of the game. So And Connor got hurt in that game. So it's a good spot for Connor. But yeah, if he doesn't do it in this game, we might have to reevaluate. Yeah, Bengals giving up 5.2 yards per carry. They're also 31st in Football Outsiders running back coverage ranking. So it could be a pretty big game for Connor in the passing game. We'll keep an eye on Vance McDonald and his shoulder, but they traded for Nick Vanette this week. I, I mean, they at least know that it's a possibility that Vance McDonald doesn't play in this yeah, game. Yeah, so um, Xavier Grimble got placed on IR. So it seems like okay. that was the bigger... I don't know why they traded a fifth-round pick for Nick Vanette regardless, but it seems like it, you know, it had more to do with Grimble than, than McDonald. I mean, they lost their free safety earlier this season. They traded a first-round pick yeah. for one from Miami, so it's clear that Pittsburgh... Selling out for a, for a Super Bowl. Yeah, they think, they think Mason Rudolph's taking them to the promised land this year, and they want to make sure that they buy all the tickets they need to. All right, that's going to do it for this week free, week four preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see how we rank all these guys against each other and help figure out how to set your lineup for the weekend. We'll be back on here Friday for our usual set of DFS shows. And even if you're not a DS insider, stay tuned to Shark Bites for updates throughout the weekend on all the injury situations and pending births that we need to track. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShopDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Small and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us.